with nearly every success, there is a line of failures and setbacks, sometimes a very long line. Many of those stories get condensed into pithy journeys that minimize the struggle. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azale comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about triumph and disaster that Mark's guests faced and how they overcame the adversity to shine. Now, here's your host, Mark Azale. Welcome to From the Ashes. I'm your host, Mark Asley. I'm sitting here with Dr. Julia Bain, who you've done a ton of different things. I was reviewing your biography and you are just all over the place. You've been- Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Personal trainer, a coach. You've worked, you've had a TV show for a while, um, done counseling work. It's, it's incredible. Thank you so much. And during the pandemic, I did write the book I've been wanting to write for a long, long time. So life is good. Right. Yeah. Tell us a little about the book, Becoming the Sheriff of Meetown. Well, I wrote it um, uh, because when I was a child, when I was born, I came out swinging. I, the doctor went up to my father and said, she's a buster. Uh, I weighed eight pounds, two ounces. That was back in the day when you didn't know if you were having a girl or a boy. So I just, my personality was such that I was always there for the underdog. Um, I, I always watched Westerns when I was a kid. Um, I wanted to be a voice for the voiceless and I was a pretty tough kid and so when I would walk into the bathroom and a girl was surrounded by other girls and she was being bullied, <clears throat> I, I just said, you know, get out of here. Or somebody's going to get hurt and it's not going to be her. Um, when the little boy was being tormented on the bus and the kids were surrounding him, the boys calling him a tiny little prick. And I was the person who sat down next to him and said, stop talking and, or somebody's going to get hurt and it's not going to be him. So, you know, I, I just have never tolerated violence in any way, shape or form um, from childhood on and grew up to do research and write a dissertation and write a violence policy for the city of Albuquerque and just wanting people to understand you are never alone. And if you can't find your voice, I want to help you do that. It's there. You are brave. You are strong. You have all the courage you need, but you don't have to do it alone. You're never alone. So it's been a lifelong theme, really. Yeah. So let's uh, walk it back a little bit. So on this podcast, we talk about, you know, the from the ashes stories, right? These stories of overcoming uh, defeat, finding triumph in the end, getting kind of kicked in the teeth and getting back up stronger, learning life lessons along the way. I'm really interested in those early stories that you were alluding to of, you know, being the sheriff or just like defending the weak. Uh, what was that like? Do you remember what you what you felt like during those moments or where you got your inspiration? I got my inspiration because as soon as I realized not everybody is kind, um, I wanted to help people be able to defend themselves and stand in their own power. And it came naturally for me. I could take a punch. Um, I didn't care what people said about me or, you know, if I was being bullied, four eyes, four eyes, Julie Bain is a pain, whatever. I would say, why don't you come and say that to my face? Come over there and say that to me, say that to my face. And, and you know, becoming a counselor and wanting to help people, I, I don't think people realize sometimes being a counselor can be a very dangerous job. Um, I was assaulted as a counselor. Um, I realized when I worked on the psychiatric ward, you never turn your back to a patient. I learned that very quickly. Um, when I was working with deaf, blind, developmentally delayed individuals, I, my first day I bent down to comfort this girl who's crying and I had long hair, like I have long now, long hair now. And she grabbed my hair and, and pulled my face to the ground and my oh. cheek hit that concrete floor. And I thought, you know, this isn't going to be easy. It's never supposed to be easy. Um, so just life lessons that I've wanted to share and I've learned so much from my clients that I wanted, wanted to put it in the book. You are the sheriff of me town. You have all the power. 
you have all the time. It's a book about empowerment that you are always in charge of you, nobody else. And predators want you to believe that they are in charge of you. They want to manipulate you. They want to take your money. They want to take your spouse. Sometimes they want to take your soul. And you are sheriff of me town is a guide, uh, how to play by play, how to earn your badge of strength mentally, physically, spiritually, socially, sexually, and emotionally, all the components that make up who you are. And so the book goes through all those different areas and it teaches the reader how to be brave and have courage, realize you're never alone and you don't have to do this alone. None of us have to. We're in this together. So I'm curious, it sounds like a great comprehensive uh, read that covers all these different dimensions. Do you have an example from your life where you had to step up and own one of these dimensions or was it just natural? Did you kind of always live this way? Um, I've been challenged by predators and violent people my whole life. Um, as a child, whether that was, you know, getting in a fist fight or, <clears throat> excuse me, being thrown against the lockers or as an adult, talking to even talking to somebody on the phone professionally and having somebody bully me on the phone and saying to them, who do you think you're talking to? Uh, realizing that a lot of people are wanting to manipulate and control and have power over you. And that's something you never want to let happen. The best, the best, the best thing to do when you feel threatened is to have a good offense. You know, the last thing you want to do if you're a domestic violence survivor, if you're being bullied, if you're uh, at work, wherever you are, you don't want to go like this and cover your head and say, oh, please don't hurt me. You want to stand strong and, and stick your chest out and be able to say, I'm going on the offense. I am not going to let you harm me in any way, shape or form. So the best thing to do is have the courage to go on the offense and not become a victim. What, did, what helped you to find that courage in your life? Um, I had a wonderful, wonderful dad, and he taught me that I had worth simply because I had been born and loved me unconditionally. He was a brilliant man. He was hilariously funny, and he was my greatest cheerleader. And I, I remember asking him as I got a little older, I would say, you know, daddy, why do people tell me terrible things about what their uncle did to them at night in their room? Or why do people tell me that their mom got a black eye because their dad hit them? Why do, people why do people tell me that? And he just looked at me and smiled and said, Julia, you are a really good audience. You're a really good audience. You, you not only listen, but you, you pay attention to people with your whole body and you care and you want to help. And he said, I think that's why, why these, you know, people and friends and even strangers confide in you because you're non-judgmental and you want to be able to help them and you want them to know that they're not alone. And I used to watch Westerns when I was a kid, you know, my bike was my horse. I grew up in St. Louis, so there was no pony for me for Christmas. Okay. <laughs> um, I had, you know, I had guns and knives and I used to climb in the tree and I'd position, you know, different dolls in front of different guns and stuff and just guard the yard. And I just had this natural tendency to want to help people be safe. And, you know, as I aged and I, I got tougher, you know, when I, when I wrote the violence policy for the city and I was teaching a room full of over a hundred men um, crammed in this little room and I started talking about the violence policy, this one gentleman looked at me and he said, so uh, if I rape you, have I violated the policy? Damn. And yeah, and I just looked at him and I just said, uh, yeah, that would be a violation. What do you yeah. say? Yeah, like how do you, 
stand up to that? Well, first of all, you you know, I don't care uh, what people think about me personally because it it if you don't like me or if you mistreat me, it's not you can't take anything from me. I belong to me. I do not belong to you. And you may try to jar me or frighten me or intimidate me, and it's not going to work. So I just, you know, when he said that, I just thought to myself, oh, what a jerk, <laughs> you know, what a jerk. But I certainly didn't take it personally. And, and one of the things I talk about in the book is how not to take cruelty and perpetrators and people trying to manipulate you personally. You can't take it personally. You have to stand in your own power and you have to have certain scripts and, and defenses so that you are ready to roll. Yeah, I get so interested in you know the perpetrator mentality. I used to work in the criminal justice system as a therapist when I first started my career, uh, mainly with you know substance abuse, crimes, and, and things like that, possession, drug dealing, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm curious from your perspective, where do you think that comes from, right? The mentality of somebody who is an abuser or who is a perpetrator or, you know, who is um, violent. What's going on on the other side of the coin? Well, I, you know, there are a variety of reasons. Um, one of the reasons is a sense of uh, entitlement. I have the right to treat you this way, I have a right to be cruel to you. I have a right to do anything to you I want. And that sense of entitlement within the perpetrator's personality gives them permission to uh, rape and abuse women and children and men too. And, you know, sociopaths and psychopaths do not own a conscience. They're not like you and me. They, they don't care. Uh, at all about you, your feelings, your future, your well-being. All they want to do is take what you have and make it their own. And if they leave you, you know, on the ground bleeding to death, well, so be it. It's a, it's a different, it's a different type of brain. It's a different type of personality that doesn't have the kind of values that we have about empathy, empathy and caring and kindness. Um, it's not that kind of a person. It's the kind of person who, like I said, that sense of entitlement and a willingness to be cruel and watch other people suffer and not feel any emotion about it uh, in terms of sympathy or, or sorrow. It's just a, a cruel, horrible person. And, and they're out there. And, you know, when I was a kid and I realized that, that those people existed, um, I just made the decision and I watched Westerns and I, I saw the sheriff take care of the town and defend the people. I just said to myself, you know what? Not on my watch, not on my watch, not as long as I have a, one more breath to take. Am I going to let this happen around me? And, and when I realized the, the One Billion Rising movement, the, that one billion, that's billion with a B, women on this planet are raped and beaten. I just, I just thought to myself, I've got to wrap my mind around this. I, I've got to do something. So in that sense, I started volunteering for boards of directors and for different agencies that helped women of domestic violence and even sometimes going to the point, helping them leave the state and go underground because the perpetrator was just so determined that uh, several women that I've worked with and known simply were not safe. Uh, they had to go underground. And you really played an active role in that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, when we come back, I mean, I, I had a client one time tell me she prepared dinner for her husband, ice cold beer, all the kids bathed, ready to eat for dinner, beautiful piping hot enchiladas, fresh tortillas. He comes in from work and he takes it and he throws it all onto the ground and screams, I wanted beans and chili. Now clean this up and make me what I want. And 
I told her, I said, you know what you call that per kind of person? And she said, what? And I said, a psychopath. You are married to a psychopath. That, that level of cruelty. And of course, he would beat her and rape her later. But that, that type of cruelty exists. And unfortunately, it's epidemic. And we all need to step up and help each other out, step in when we see somebody being bullied or abused or hurt. And I'm going to talk about that in the second segment about what you can do um, to help intervene when someone is being bullied or threatened. Because we all have, I believe we have an obligation to help people who haven't found their voice yet, cannot stand in their power yet. They need us. So we move into our second segment, we'll talk more about that, about what you can do. We'll talk about, you know, psychopathy, nature of evil, some great topics here. So stay tuned and we'll catch you on the other end of the commercial break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are the experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azale.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azale, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azalay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azalay.com. Now back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to From the Ashes. We were hearing some fantastic stories, Julia, about your life. I just had this image of you, you know, you're telling about dressing up as a sheriff, right? poking out, like defending your, your front yard and how that culminated in you, you know, really fighting for the weak and fighting for, you know, the underdog out there. Um, and we ended our last segment, you know, talking about, you know, psycho, psycho, uh, psychopaths, um, sociopaths, abusers, perpetrators. Uh, l- let me take this, this topic off for you. Do you believe that evil is real and that it's out there? What are your thoughts on, on evil? I think evil is a loaded word. I, you know, depending on who you are and your spirituality and your belief system, 
Um, you're going to interpret that word in a variety of ways. I think that evil exists in terms of there are some people that are so horrific in terms of their behavior, like, like the soldiers who line up the women in, in Miramar and tie them to the ground and literally rape them to death. Is that evil? Well, it certainly doesn't seem human to me. It doesn't, it's hard to accept that a human being could do something like that to another human being. And, you know, we've been hearing uh, stories about Tulsa, Oklahoma, and how, how those people were just murdered, you know, by the riots. We've been hearing about that lately. And I didn't grow up hearing that story. I had no idea that was part of our history. Um, and so I guess the answer is yes. I, I will call someone evil when the, the catastrophe of what they have done to another human being is so unexplainable that a human could do that to another human being. Yeah. Of course, I can I can call that evil, uh, but what it truly is also in a clinical term, I would call that person uh, a psychopath. And if you want to call a psychopath evil, you may. They do not own a conscience. Um, I remember when I did my social work internship uh, at a state mental hospital, and we were given a tour about which area of the hospital we wanted to work in. And we were taken to the forensic unit, unit and shown the office. And as we were leaving, I went to pull the door shut and it wouldn't move. And I said to the, the supervisor giving the tour, I said, this door won't shut. And she said, oh no, it's locked open. And I said, why is it locked open? And she said, because the social worker who worked in here a few years ago met with two patients who were not getting along on, on the ward and she was mediating and they closed the door, locked it, raped her and killed her with their bare hands. Yikes. And so now the, the door is always locked open on this unit. And of course I immediately thought to myself, I'm going to work on the substance abuse unit. I'm not coming near these, these people. Um, but I remember when that happened to me, I do believe the word evil crossed my mind in terms of these, these aren't regular human beings. These aren't, this is, this is just unbelievably horrific and, uh, but it's real and they're out there and most of them are not institutionalized. Most of them are not in a hospital or not in a prison. They're still among us. Yeah, that's a scary thought. And what I'm hearing you say from the first segment is that to counteract that requires offense, requires some level of force, some level of assertiveness in order to feel safe from these types of forces that are out there. Is that correct? That is correct. That's absolutely true. I believe that if you feel brave and strong and have discovered your strength and practice it. I mean, we're all a work in progress. We never totally fully arrive, you know, before we die. We're never going to quite ever get it completely. So we continue to evolve. Some days we, we don't feel as tough or have as much grit as other days. That's okay. You know, that's the day you, I don't know, stay home in your jammies and pop some popcorn or play your guitar or hang out in the yard and do some gardening or, you know, do some self-care. If you're not tough enough to, you know, be out there and ready for what may ever come your way, then you need to be aware of that. But being the sheriff of Meetown is about realizing you are in charge of every thought you think, every decision you make, every value you have. And it is you that must defend yourself. The, cav the cavalry ain't coming. You know, sometimes you're gonna be alone. There's not gonna be somebody standing right there and you are going to have to puff up and, and be strong and brave and realize 
that I am in charge of me and I have to protect myself and defend myself. One more reason to to have a good workout, to feel strong physically. Perpetrators usually don't harm people as often when they think they're going to get a fight. You know, they're not going to they're not going to jump you know, me, because probably, hopefully, because I work out, I walk around, like, if if you attack me, you're going to regret that. You know, just kind of like with that attitude, you don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a, I'm a nice person. I don't know a stranger. I love chatting it up with people I don't know. But that being said, um, I'm not going to give a stranger a ride or you know, open my bag of things I just bought in front of somebody I don't know so that they can grab the bag or grab me. You know, you can't, you don't want to be naive, I guess I want to, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think what you said that the cavalry was really struck home for me. You know, look, I, I live in Boulder, Colorado, which is one of the safest towns probably on the planet. So I'm very <laughs> privileged and fortunate not to have to really worry about my physical safety yeah you're some of lucky. the stories that you're telling yeah it's wonderful it's quite nice here yeah. um that being said i think the idea of taking responsibility for your life is really important you know um i remember realizing that i'm not entitled really to anything right i'm not entitled to success i'm not entitled to happiness i'm not entitled to you know relationships i'm not entitled to, to anything like if there's anything out there I have to work and make it for myself, right? Nothing is going to be given to me. And like you said, all the time, there's no cavalry, right? There's no air support. There's no, there's nobody really in the corner, which in the beginning, it, it was terrifying, right? But down the line, and this is what I hear you talking about, down the line is incredibly empowering because it's like, oh, we can actually shape our own lives. We can create the life and the lifestyle and the community and the connection that, that we want. Absolutely. You're in charge. You're always in charge. Right. Always having choice, right? Like we always have the ability to choose. We always have the ability to choose. That being said, so much of what happens to us is by chance. You know, the fact that you and I are sitting here, we didn't have anything to do with that. It's merely by chance. Two people came together and here you came, you know? Um, So... Yeah, with with taking responsibility for your own happiness and who you are and how you are, um, that comes with a desire and a willingness to change, to grow, um, to evolve into a person and, and have an open heart, not only with yourself, but with life, having, you know, having a willingness to travel and see other places and, and see how other people live. And, and that's where the bravery comes in. And, you know, I remember part of the violence policy that I wrote, if somebody violated it, they came and they got to meet me, Dr. Bain at the employee assistance program. And these people, a lot of them were quite dangerous. I mean, they would say things to a coworker after work, I know where you live. And I'm going to go to your house and I'm going to kill your entire family. That's so extreme. That's so intense. And you're it dealing is. with these people regularly, right? Because you're, you're getting everybody who's breaking the policy into your office. Right. Well, most of the people I, I worked with when I worked for the city, um, they, were, they were fantastic. Um, I just, since I was the manager, I didn't want to give one of those clients to somebody on my staff because it was easier to take care of it myself than to supervise somebody trying to figure it out. Right. So I remember one time, um, and I also learned that sometimes I needed to have a security officer in the room with me, depending on, uh, the information I had about the person and experience, like people leaping out of their chair towards me. And the only reason why I didn't get a broken nose is because a supervisor grabbed him and pulled him off me. But sometimes, you know, they would sit down and say, um, they'd be real angry because they didn't want to see me. They were angry that they were forced to talk to me, the counselor, that they, you know, had to take anger management classes, that they, got 60 days off without pay that, you know, they were angry. And so they would come in my office and this happened definitely more than once. 
sit down in front of me and raise their voice and, and start yelling. And I would just sit there and I, I would say to myself, one, two, three, stop talking. And they did. And then I would say, I don't think you understand that I am here to help you maintain employment because if you don't change, you're going to be terminated. So let's start over. And you look at me as the person who is going to help you do whatever it takes to keep your job and maintaining your, and maintain your employment. Do you still want to work here? Do you still want to you know? cut through their anger, right? By matching the intensity. Absolutely. Standing up, right? And just, I just imagine, you know, like two dogs barking at each other, right? There's like a, there's like an alpha struggle, right? <laughs> it's the idea of like, who's going to be the alpha here? Who's going to control the situation and who's going to control the room? Absolutely. And it's my office. Right. It's your room. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't let anyone yell at me. I don't allow it. Um, one of the chapters in my book is um, what are the laws of Town? And one of the laws of Meetown, and of course, you can make up whatever laws you want for, for your own town, this place you live between your ears. You can make up whatever laws you want. You're the sheriff. But one of the laws in the book that I suggest is that you don't let anybody disrespect you ever, ever, because if you allow it, you're enabling it. You're saying, okay, I am not going to tell you to, to stop talking. I am not going to tell you, you may not disrespect me anymore. I'm enabling it. I'm being quiet and I'm giving you this message of, it's okay that you treat me that way because I'm allowing it. Okay, you don't, you don't wanna do that. You wanna have a law in me town that says no one may disrespect me ever. No one may shove me or push me or harm me physically or with their words. I simply don't allow it. And if they do not stop, um, I will remove myself from that individual or that area or whatever it takes. Now, what would you say to somebody who's listening, you know, they're inspired, right? They want to do this, but they don't have the self-confidence or the self-esteem or the motivation, right? They feel like, how could I ever stand up to something like that, right? How could I ever tell someone to stop talking? How could I ever, you know, stop a violent situation from happening, right? It just seems so foreign to them. What, what middle step would you give them, you know, in between, right, being the full-on sheriff versus being, you know, a victim or an enabler or what have you? Exactly. Well, it's, it's part of the process and part of reading the book is it's earning what I call your power badge. And your power badge is a sheriff's star that you can imagine that you wear over your heart every day. And that star gets stronger and brighter every time you practice. What does it take for me to have mental strength? Well, it takes focus. It takes having a really good, positive, nurturing, loving narrative. What is my voice? Your show the other day, you were talking about meditation. And I was thinking to myself, you know, what I find interesting about meditation is listening to my mind. You know, what thoughts? We all have about 50,000 thoughts a, a day. What am I thinking? What am I telling myself? What, am I, what is my narrative? So if you tell yourself, you can do this, you don't have to do it alone. You can develop your, your mental strength. And it's like doing push-ups for your brain. And, and you do the certain exercises I have in the book to help you do that. You just go around the power badge and you measure your strength. Look, I have a little, the, you know, physically, you make sure that you work out, that you feel strong. You can feel your muscles. You're hydrated. You're well-fed. You sleep well spiritually. Um, you know, you know why you're here. You, you have a purpose, you have a destiny. How are you practicing your spiritual life? How close is that to you in your daily life? What does that look like for you? Your social strength. Do you have people in your life who nurture you and support you in your dreams and, and give you the gift of encouragement? 
Do you have those kind of people in your life? Or do you have people who have a tendency to kind of put you down, make you self-doubt? You need to get rid of those people because they are weakening you. They are not healthy. They are toxic. Sexual strength. Do you stand in your own sexual power? Are you, I mean, we are sexual from the moment we wake up in the morning until the moment we go to sleep at night. All day long, we are sexual human beings. Do you feel powerful in your sexuality? And then emotional strength. You know, we have four basic emotions, anger, fear, sadness, joy. Do you feel your feelings? Do you know that your beliefs create how you feel? If I believe that, I am going to have an absolutely beautiful evening because I'm going to light candles and, and have a, a beautiful dinner with the one I love and, and my thoughts are positive and, and nurturing to myself and encouraging. I'm going to feel real good. If I think to myself, well, you know, I guess I'll go through the drive through tonight and I don't really, oh, wow. I was looking at myself in the mirror. I look, I just look like heck and I just I don't I don't feel well why would anybody you know like me or even want maybe negative self-talk you are creating your town no when you talk to yourself you are creating the town that you live in me town where you live between your ears your mind that's fantastic I love how you go through all the different categories and you know take inventory of all of them uh, we have to move into our next segment here and we'll go into more detail about some of those categories and maybe give uh, the listeners there, you know, an exercise they might be able to take home with them and try, you know, in between um, now and next week. So for those of you listening, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, uh, please support the show. Uh, like us on social media. It's Mark M. Azulay, basically everything. Um, give us a five-star review on iTunes. Really help us out as it's the new fledgling podcast and any, you know, sharing, liking, commenting, et cetera, et cetera, helps us to, you know, make the show better, um, interview more people and start to touch more people's lives and have greater impact. So thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you with Dr. Bain on the other side of the commercial break. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are the experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azoulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azoulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. For teens, by teens, and about teens, tune into the uncensored and unedited discussions with young adults on Express Yourself. Every Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Smart, tenacious teen hosts and reporters from around the country speak up and speak out. Express yourself. Visit the website for the show to find out more at expressyourselfteenradio.com. And check out the show on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Sunday. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel with a replay of the show Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay. Uh, Dr. Bain, in the break, we were talking about the pandemic and how your teachings and your book and your message might apply. Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about that? Yes. I, I just want to remind all the listeners and I appreciate you all joining us today. I, I think this is such an important, important topic um, that you're always in charge that if you're listening today, you are more fortunate than the 6.9 million people who did not survive this COVID pandemic. And, you know, we're talking 900, over 900,000 United States citizens who have died during the pandemic. And I believe it changed us all. I know it changed me and certainly gave me an opportunity to write my book that I've been wanting to hand to my clients for the last 30 years. And and in the, it was the hottest summer, and um, I was I, w- I was back there working on it. Every time I just wanted to, you know, oh, I'm hot. I want to take a break. I can't do this. You know, uh, I want to do a shout out to Dr. Sherry Walton, my editor and publisher. She was a great guide, and I want to thank her publicly for helping me with the book. But I would sit there, and I would be like, I'm done. I'm done. I I'm tired. I you know whatever. And then I would remember this client I had, she was about 20 years old, very suicidal. Uh, She was a cutter. She was uh, transgender. Um, She had a lot of self-loathing. She hated herself and she was suicidal most of the time. And I, you know, during one of our last sessions, I said, oh, I just, I wish I could hand you my book. And she looked at me and she said, well, hand it to me. And I said, I haven't finished it yet. And she said, well, why not? And I said, well, um, I want it to be perfect, writer's block. I just haven't pulled it all together yet. I haven't found a publisher. And she looked at me with these 20-year-old eyes of wisdom. You know, this is a survivor of several suicide attempts, uh, a survivor of... Uh, lots and lots of physical and sexual abuse. And she looked at me and this is what I remembered last summer when I was working on the book, write it for me, write it for me. And I would hear her voice last summer saying that. And I thought, you bet, I'm going to write it for you. I'm going to write it for you. And I, I hope you're still here. You know, you're such a beautiful person and, um, you know, really great. She was a great artist and, you know, had a lot of gifts. And um, sometimes we'd sing songs together. Uh, I've, I use music therapy with people. I'll, I'll be giving a talk or I might even be on, uh, you know, any doing anything and I just burst into song. Maybe I'll burst into my song that I wrote for my uh, me town uh, business before we, before we say goodbye. But uh yeah, music therapy is a great way to change up your mood and, um, you know, get you onto a different page. But anyway, long story short, um, you can change. You you can change. And sometimes it feels so enormous, but you don't have to do it alone. You can talk to somebody like me. I can help you. People like me can help you. And you're not stuck, you're not broken, you're not wrong. There is nothing wrong with you. you. You just need to start using some tools you haven't used before. You need to start with the positive self-talk. You need to, you know, realize, you know, in terms of your sexual health, one of my favorite expressions is uh, sex is perfect, 
with the perfect person. You know, it pretty, it pretty much all boils down to that. You know, if you are with someone who respects you and, and wants to be intimate with you and you want to share your body with that person, it's perfect. You know, if that person is a, you know, is a, a good, nice, wonderful, loving, you know, somebody's going to treat you with respect. You know, in the book, I do address how sometimes sexual health might mean that you're having sexual activity with somebody and you might have to say, we need to stop this now, right now. Totally. Yeah. Right. Um, because people have different preferences and different ways of expressing themselves sexually. And you don't have to go along if you don't want to, you know, so sex is perfect with the per- person. I like that expression. And, and you know, your, your biggest sexual organ is between your ears. You know, that's your biggest organ right there. Um, it's your mind, how you feel about yourself as a sexual person, your sexual identity, um, how you approach sexuality. It's, it's between your ears. It's, it's in me town. <laughs> that's right. That's right. If you could give the listeners, you know, as we're starting to move towards close here, uh, a tool or a, a practice or an activity, you know, either from the book or from your clinical practice that they could start to work on, right. To start to get the needle moving and to experiment with some of these ideas. What would you have them do? What could they do at home right now? Give yourself permission to change and know that you can do it and know that we all have that obligation to ourselves to change and to grow and evolve as life moves on. This isn't, nobody said this was going to be easy. I kind of wish when I was a little kid, somebody would have said to me, Julia, this isn't going to be easy. You Not know? even a little bit, yeah. yeah. People are going to lie to you. People are going to hurt you on purpose. People are going to, you know, people, not everybody is like you, Julia. This isn't going to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy. I can remember when people would come in and say, oh, you know, you know, it's just not fair. You know, my supervisor and, and my work group, and it's just not fair. And I would say, you know what? The expression life isn't fair. Work isn't fair either. Nothing is fair. Um, if you want to continue to work here, let's talk about what you can do to take charge of your situation. So whether it's a work issue, a personal issue, your self-esteem, no matter what it is, know that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And, and you can do this. Um, you've done it before. You're a survivor, like I said at the opening of this segment. You know, you did not die of COVID. You're listening to this podcast. You obviously are a curious soul. You want to be strong. You want to feel good in your skin. And you can do it. And you don't have to do it alone. And and my book, You Are the Sheriff of Me Town, where you have all the power, takes you step by step by step and asks you, questions, you know, to ask yourself, you know, what do, what do I want versus what do I need? Um, you know, what are my values? How do I make decisions? How, who am I? You know, it's a way to evaluate. You can't change until you become really well acquainted with and, and be best friends with yourself, which I highly recommend that you be your own best friend because nobody is more important than you are. I think that's an incredible practice. Something that I used to do in my own life as well was learn how to be my own best friend and learn how to keep myself company. And it's something that I see, you know, like in me and the people that I work with, how common it is, how trouble we have being alone. You know, we don't know what to do. We don't know even who we are. Uh, exactly, exactly. And, and healing from past hurts. I mean, nobody wants to live in the past. So uh, how do you do that? How do you get out of there? And I, in terms of practical tips, I do want to tell the audience ways to help if you witness violence or bullying, okay? 
take action. You introduce yourself to the target. So you walk up to the person and you say, hi, I'm Julia Bain. You look like you might be in trouble. Can I help you? You offer support and actively listen and say, do you need my help? Do you want my help? Because I can help you. I can get you out of this situation. Ignore the aggressor. Do not look at that man or that person. Ignore them. You're, you're concentrating on the target. Use your body language. Stand strong. And then invite the target to join you in leaving. Do you want to come with me? Um, we can go. We can go inside here and go get a coffee. We can step over here. Do you want to come with me? Do you want to come with me and invite them into your world? And then get them farther away from the aggressor and say, do we need to call 911? Who is this person? How do you want it to, what do you want to do from here? Well, those are so some really great how, tips. And I'm yeah. sure that there's more detail in the book. As we're wrapping up our show here, can you tell people where they might be able to find you? They want more information. Absolutely. Um, my website is metown.com. And you can uh, check out my website and also my book. Ta-da! I'm so excited. I want you to read it. I want you to read it. it. You can find it on Amazon. You are the sheriff of MeTown, where you have all the power. It is on Amazon. It's on Books a Million, Walmart, wherever Barnes and Noble, wherever good books are sold, you can get my book. My, I do have a YouTube channel, which I've been ignoring and, but I do have one and I need to, and I want to pay more attention to that. My email, jbain363 at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Um, you are not alone. You are never alone. You can do this. I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to give up. You can do this, whether it's calling 911, a crisis line, a counselor, the fire department, anybody. The pain will pass. You can do it. You're never alone. And I just, I thank your listeners for being so tough and so strong and getting up every day and facing the world. That takes guts. So you already are brave. Just acknowledge it for yourself and, you know, surround yourself with good people and, you know, enjoy life, laugh. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's fantastic. For those of you listening, uh, tune in next week for more stories of triumph and defeat. Thank you, Dr. Bain. And we'll see you on a future episode. Thank you, Mark. Bye. Thank you for joining host Mark Azale for From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll have another edition of the program then. Meet triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters the same. Until next time.